0: Hey friends and lovers, welcome back to the Four Year Reference podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the first course in our reference degustation, spirited away. Mwah. For chef kisses deserves all of the accolades and all of the recognition and if you've watched it for the first time congratulations it is a very palatable first start to our reference degustation Um, we have a very exciting episode for you today Um, you would have read the title already we do strongly encourage that you've watched this film because it, it is great it is delightful it is a crackling delicious juicy episode we love you guys so much thank you for supporting us um, as we round out into our first year of podcasting we love you we love you. we love you let's take the show away Hey, friends and lovers, welcome back to For Your Reference. You've got your host, KT. And OT. And welcome back to our holiday series. hmm We are covering some delicioso Miyazaki films. Um, If you followed us along the journey, um, you are most welcome. If this is the first in the holiday series you're listening to, then you are also most welcome as well. Um, Ot and I are on holiday and we are doing nasty things to each other and you can do some nasty things while you listen to this episode, friends and lovers. Mm -hmm. We'll oil that propeller. And grab your finest glass of swine. Because today we are covering Kurunai no Noputa, otherwise known as...
1: Porco Rosso.
0: Porco Rosso. Oh, wow. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Clearly. What a <laughs> film. What a film. Mm. And as we are doing in the holiday series, obviously they have a theme being Miyazaki Films. There's also a studio, I say Ghibli, I don't say Ghibli. Yep. Unless agreed, it's, agreed, on that. Unless it's pitchy bitchy, <laughs> then that's another story. Um, so we will go through the themes that Miyazaki is famed and is known for. Mm. Um, and we will see if any of that comes through Boko Rosso as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll obviously dive into the film, get into our first impressions, the stats, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, it isn't that popular... Um, even before we met O.T., did you did you hear about Porco when you heard about Miyazaki films?
1: I didn't know a lot about it.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess the reason why I'm mentioning that is if this is what you chose um, to listen to before the Spirited Away um, or even Princess Mononoke episode, we love you. And mm. we're all learned and we can all pull our glasses up. Um, this is actually the first we're recording in the holiday series. So... Um, your head might go spinning in regards to the timeline and how we discuss things. But again, welcome. Uh, The film did come out in 1992. It is very early in Miyazaki's work, um, Norska being the first of Mm -hmm. his films, officially. Um, It came out in 1992. Obviously, we have Hayao Miyazaki at the helm being the writer and director. In regards to the music, it was composed by Joe Hishiyashi, Mm-hmm. He's pretty much um done the score and soundtrack for all of his films, nice except for. you could one. see
1: why he stuck with him, oh yeah,, mm.
0: brilliant. Yeah. Everyone is at the top of their game in Miyazaki's world,
1: like usually, we just say like the score plays such a big part in a movie, creating the ambience and everything, but with him, it just takes the movies to a different level, yeah. Considering the amazing artistry that Miyazaki does anyway, it's just sublime. You could it watch ta- and listen to forever.
0: And it takes a team. Yeah. It definitely takes a team. Um, we, are, we are new to the cinephile world, but usually when it comes to, you know, directors and when it comes to... Like when I think of Hans Zimmer, I just think of he is great and brilliant in himself, mm. right? Maybe I'll come to learn that there are more teams and that sort of thing. But it's, it's, it's nice and it's just amazing it just pairs so beautifully with the cinematography which yeah, i can't just, wait to talk um
1: about. like the perfect ensemble of elton john and barney like it's just such a symbiotic sort of relationship that once you get it you just have to re- try and recreate the perfection every single time
0: yeah like all of the parts need to work just like a plane mm. Um, and it, it's funny, it, um, please listen to our succession episode, but Miyazaki is famed for not naming a successor. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's quit like six times. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a fun little um, knowledge nugget. Just like for Ricky Gervais
1: has. and the Golden Globes.
0: <laughs> hey. Oh, you love you, Ricky. Listen to our afterlife episode. Enough of that. We're on holiday. We don't need to work and give you references. mm mm Um, So let's go back. This is based on a three-part watercolor manga by Miyazaki, um, which is interesting because a lot of his films um, they draw inspiration, and some of them are based on texts as well. Yeah, How's Moving Castle, um, as an example. So it came out in 1992. The budget was 9.2 million, and it raked in 59 million US dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty porco.
1: That is a pretty poor call.
0: Um, translated into English as the Scarlet Pig, otherwise known as what OT calls me.
1: <laughs> Affectionately so
0: I, I would hope. Anyway, um we have it's it's a very simple story. The context is um grounded actually in regards to me, Azaki, they it's usually ambiguous as to where things are set. Mm. Like you would have country like you would have flags, but it's not necessarily denoting to a specific Porco Rosso is one of the examples where you can actually place this at a point in time. Yep. So it's set after World War One. Um, Porco Rosso is a previous pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there are some drawings to real life and you can place them into real places. Um, there were some conflicts, so they had to move details around as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting and it's, it's nice to see... The richness that Miyazaki has, which isn't one of the themes that we've noted down, but obviously quality.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Quality over everything. I'm just going to quickly go through the cast that's classified as the main in Mal.
1: <laughs>
0: Every all of the cool kids call it Mal. All
1: right. Yes. My anime list. Give us a cast, mate.
0: Um, we watched the Japanese version. Uh, I know Michael Keaton um, played porco Rosso in the English dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miyazaki um, is also. He also mentioned that he preferred the French. Yeah. Particularly for Pokorosso's character But I'm just going to focus on the Japanese mm-hmm. um, main cast So we have Moriyama Shichiro playing Porco Rosso. We have Okamura Akemi playing Theo Piccolo Who we fucking love mm-hmm. We also have Utsuka Akio playing Donald Curtis And she's not credited as a main Because she's also not in the manga as well But we have Gina played by Kato Takiko.
1: She might not appear a lot in this movie, but for me, Gina is quite one of the main characters, especially when it comes to how it lights Pocoroso as a character. Oh yes. Um. So, <laughs> it's just um. Like crazy.
0: she's the she's the anchorage.
1: Yeah, uh, and it will be interesting to read the manga afterwards just to see how it would all pan out without Gina in the picture.
0: It's a tasteful one. It's not the ones you usually read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into first impressions let's go through the um recurring sort of miyazaki themes that he has in films and let's see if we came across that spoilers 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 um definitely do yourself a favor it's only about 90 minutes yeah this film um do yourself a favor watch this i'm not sure about the english dub but um have a view Have a, I'm a
1: double Regardless, you'll see. Right. Yeah, you'll see beautiful um, animations and the score. Just watch it; it doesn't so, really matter yeah. anyway. so
0: yeah. um, it's it's our responsibility. Um, you know, treat it like a holiday. You're sailing away with Porco Rosso, and then come back to this episode. I just wanted to say spoilers because we're going to talk about the film. Um, so the first theme that we have is planes Mm. slash flying so Miyazaki's father actually made parts for planes um so it is quite a strong theme and you know the the wonder and the curiosity in regards to flying and the innovation of flying Mm. as well because Miyazaki is very innovative as well um that is quite a strong theme that he has in this film and it it obviously it, it you know carries through in Porco Rosso as well
1: yeah. Um, it was interesting to see once um Poco Rosso's um plate got shot down by Cartis and then they're like, Oh yeah, he went to Piccolo and they're going to replace his engine and the engine was Ghibli. That was yeah. um yeah.
0: Look at you. The small things, mate. We should start a <laughs> podcast though, <OT. laughs> T. We should. <laughs> um definitely. So it's it's pretty straightforward. We don't really need to discuss it. It's a pig in a plane.
1: Pig in a plane.
0: Pigs do fly. Mm. Exceedingly so. Um, the next theme that we have for Miyazaki is anti-war. Yeah. That's quite a strong um, theme that he has. They they do have military elements in a lot of, not in a lot of his films, but it, it is tangible um, mm. where you can see it in the films. And usually there's a political message about war is bad. Mm. Don't do the war. War is bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, McKay. I'm gay. I'm gay.
0: leave Ali out of this (laughs) are you okay there OT see we're on holiday but we just can't help ourselves Mm -mm. if you get the reference you get the reference um but yeah so and usually what flows into that theme is the environment and how we need to take better care of it and how it's kind of take take take
1: yeah and I guess when you try and it down to the main character in this being Pocoroso you mm-hmm. could see that he is quite disillusioned by the, the fact that he went to war yes he was a hero and all but with the results of the war he's lost three of his friends and yeah. he starts pushing himself away from society and you could see the effects and his transformation afterwards I think that's mm-hmm. kind of how he seems he sees himself but yeah it's just one of those things that we could see in Miyazaki's kind of movies that he's done—an um, underlying theme of war and what it does and its effects—and
0: that's why I think art is so impactful. Because as you're explaining that, we can even think to scenes in *Porker Rosso*. Um, you know, let's 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 stay in this world for a little bit um, when they were actually with the fighter jets. Mm. And, you know, all of, all of the planes from both sides started to go down and then he, it, it became a sequence where he ended up above the clouds mm. and he started to see all of the planes, you know, essentially going to heaven, mm. right? And it's so beautifully done. Sometimes saying things directly, because I'm a straight shooter, pow pow, but sometimes saying things exactly as they are doesn't hit you in the way that it needs to hit you to make a meaningful sort of change. yeah, To star any sort of feelings within you. And, you know, even when you were talking about that, the the imagery is so strong, I could see that.
1: Mm. It's just, you know, it's one of those movies that you could rewatch it a million times over and you'd probably pick up a few things as, as, as far yeah. as you go. And I can't just... And the fact that it's all hand-drawn as well,
0: Yes, you he, could you could Miyazaki tell that you was, could tell
1: a lot of attention to detail went into this.
0: Miyazaki was very strong on keeping things analog, so to say. Try to stir away from digital um but it is such it is such a beautiful film and that's why i love it i love talking about it um obviously we'll talk more about um how we came across poker Rosso in our first impression so let's continue to the next sort of theme that miyazaki has it's kids slash female leads
1: Mm. he loves a strong female lead Mm
0: -hmm. don't you he really does like no i'm saying don't you (laughs) don't
1: you Ot? yeah you know what i do (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think also a lot of his protagonists allow themselves to feel not necessarily in the case of Porco Rosso um, but you do have a very fun sort of sidekick character in Theo mm. so that, that kind of grounds him as well and um, we'll definitely need to talk more about that and what the spell actually represented because I think Theo contributed to that as well um but in regards to you know kids or female leads it is a strong sort of theme not necessarily here Mm. so that's fine um the next theme that we have is um usually with miyazaki films it's not cut and dry it's not this person is inherently evil and the spawn of satan i'm not talking about myself um there's usually some ambiguity in regards to good and evil Mm. You know, and and that's that's true to life, right? True. As fantastical and as whimsical um, as Miyazaki gets, um, th- there is a grounding of seeing people in multiple sort of dimensions.
1: Yeah, because we don't live in a sort of 2D world where we just get either black or white. It's yeah. it's multi-dimensional, and people can be. Good or bad in the varying spectrum, and they're not inherently evil.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, a lot of the characters that Miyazaki has in his films, um, you know, the, the initially presented evil characters just usually they're misunderstood. Mm. And I guess you could say the same for Porcorozzo because you see that um, he's still a Mac daddy though. Like he still gets all the ladies. Because mm. he was in um, the Club Adriano. And the lady's like, "Tell me a story." And he's like, "I will next time we're alone."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure he was getting he was he he had his way around. But it just shows you as well that people, especially I think the Italians are taken to him and they're happy mm-hmm. to see him. You know, it's weird seeing a pig walking around, and you know and when he's walking across the lawn and people are giving him the eye it's like it doesn't apply to me yeah. <laughs> because I'm a pig.
0: <laughs> but um yeah so i guess i guess the point of that is he he presented a certain way but people treated him as a human essentially and i think actually that's a good point because um you know it is whimsical and that is one of the themes um for Miyazaki but it felt like the spell that he had on him was the way that he felt about himself. Yeah. Because sure. again, he was a Mac daddy. Everyone wanted a piece of the pork.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this, but whilst majority of the people walking saw him and they thought he was cute and whatever, and they didn't even butter an eye, mm-hmm. the people in authority just gave him this mocky look. He would walk across the town and you'd see the coppers around just, you know, tilting and scrunching their face a bit. And I didn't know if you picked on it, but I just saw it. I was like,
0: mm. "If we, It's 2020. If we want to be real, it's because he had an undeniable specialist skill and he wasn't serving the government or the army. Yeah. Really. If it wants to boil down to that. And we do love Ferrerin his friend. I think he was quite a good friend. Yeah. Um. But I think that's what it boils down to, at least um, in a, you know, sort of nutshell. Um. But yeah, usually there's ambiguity about good and evil. And I think this film definitely portrays that because like you said, he, he did what he had to do as a soldier, but that didn't take away the pain and the results of war. True. Sure. And the collateral damage of war, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so let's go to we have two more themes to go through. Um, Miyazaki loves pigs.
1: <laughs>
0: is there really anything else to say? <laughs> it's it's pretty obvious. Um, I, I just wanna bring to um a scene that we had in the film where Porco is in a cinema mm. and he's watching and I think it's a Betty Boop um film. Mm-hmm. It's I don't think it's Disney. I think it's Betty Boop. Um, and that's one of the inspirations that Miyazaki has as well. So yeah. if you're doing a bingo card of Mind Nuggets, you can um, cross that off. Um, but he's in the cinema and he's watching it. And that's where we see Ferran for the first time. Yeah. And he's like, you can't hide forever. That's where we found out that he pretty much turned his back on the authorities. And that's where he became a bounty hunter.
1: Yeah, because it's a fascist government. So.
0: But that's what he said. Yeah. I'd rather be a pig than a fascist. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting, um, and obviously he is a pig. So there's a lot of dialogue in regards to the pig. Obviously, you saw pigs in Spirited Away as well. Um, but but who doesn't love pigs? I don't know. Except for was a Family Guy, they was had a, it? they had a cutaway for Peppa Pig. Go and watch it, guys. <laughs> 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 they had a yeah. cutaway. <laughs> But yes, let's let's dive into the last theme um, that is very common in Miyazaki films, and we've kind of touched on it already: is that whimsical slash fantasy Mm. sort of element.
1: Yeah, watching Miyazaki movies, and you get a sense of being taken on a journey. Like it's all fantastical, and you're just—it's like an outer body experience. Oh yes. It's something. Though, if I was to live in a world, I would want to live in a Miyazaki <laughs> in a Miyazaki world any day. All hire day.
0: us, hire us, Studio Ghibli.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's just one of the dreams me.
0: And it, it definitely is it, and you'll hear it in our other episodes as well. But um, Miyazaki to me is full escapism. Mm. It is literally for at least in this case for ninety minutes. I'm just going to forget about everything. For sure. And I'm going to allow myself this indulgence. Mm. Um, In in earlier interviews, Miyazaki, um, he described this film as foolish and he was asked to clarify what he meant by that. Um, And essentially a paraphrase to foolish to make a film for kids about adults and i think this is the most grown sort of film um not to say that you can't have like relatability in miyazaki's other films but again we talk about kids a lot Mm. and you know that coming of age yeah and you know dealing with the world around you and porco also had been through shit
1: yeah he had been through shit i think initially they wanted just to make this movie as an in-flight sort of entertainment Oh, and look just, who's
0: come to the party.
1: It just became something bigger because, you know, it, it's...
0: And it is, it is a lot more serious than the manga as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, look at us playing tit for tit.
1: Tit for tit, tat for tat, mate.
0: <laughs> trot for trot. Mm. <laughs> oh, but it's like, oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoy it. Um, but those are the themes um, for Miyazaki. Um, we're going to get into first impressions and actually start talking about the film now. Um, but, you know, but even with those themes, we could sit here all day and talk about them in full. Yeah. yeah, Right. Um, it is so steeped in richness mm. and it truly is a reward. So let's talk about first impressions. Um, you know, there are many things I introduced to OT's life. I didn't introduce um, Miyazaki films, but that is what I will um, tell everyone.
1: <laughs>
0: um so let's start off with you um how did you come across porco rosso um and i guess it's important to know what other films you would watch before that and how did you feel generally about the film
1: so in as much as i love me as i movies i've watched like four so <laughs> there's still yeah. heaps of studio ghibli movies that i want to watch
0: well just just to clarify studio Ghibli isn't just me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: Like there's a whole lot of catalog on there and
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I've watched, uh, wind rises spirited away. And now Pocorosa was my, this was my first time to watch it. Mm -hmm. And I was just completely engulfed the minute it started. And you could tell that so much was put into this. And once Mm -hmm. you realize that you're fully engulfed in it and you pay your whole attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved it completely. And it's one of the movies that I think I'll rewatch about four times in the next couple of weeks. Because Oh wow. <laughs> I just, I feel like there are things that I'm still missing uh-huh. and I need answers for. Okay. And I've tried researching it and nothing, I'm not happy. I, I feel like I can dig so much deeper into this.
0: Well, it's a good thing you have a podcast then we can explore that together, my love.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. What about you? Uh,
0: So, yeah, I think... Because the international sort of acclaim came with Princess Mononoke Mm. um, in regards to Miyazaki Films and Studio Ghibli. Um, Depending on how old you are, so um, I think most... uh, Come and tweet us and email us if you're super learned and Spirited Away wasn't your first introduction. But usually for most people, Spirited Away is the introduction into Miyazaki, Mm. right? Um, So... I started off with *Spirited Away*. I'm pretty sure I watched How's Moving Castle*. Um, next, mm. I found Norska. There's, um, it's in Australia and Europe. It's known as *Laputa Castle in the Sky*. Mm. Um, he actually Miyazaki actually took um, *Laputa* from Spanish, because from what he understood, it meant in being in disarray, being up in the clouds. But if you know what La Puta means...
1: Oh, we've watched too much of Narcos not to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that interesting? We can live in a world where we enjoy the realism of Narcos, Mm. but we also love being swept away in a world of fantasy Mm. in Miyazaki. Yeah, for sure. You are most welcome, friends and lovers. This is the quality. Mm. Whether it's lack of or whether it's overwhelming quality. (laughs) It is up to you. Um... But yeah, I've, I, I've watched a good chunk um, of Miyazaki films and I remember watching Rosso for the first time. I'm like, oh, this is interesting mm. because it does address the theme of whimsical sort of fantasy but it is more grounded in reality to his more recent works. Yeah. I think as um, his filmography went on, it became more whimsical and more fantastical. Yeah. And that isn't a bad thing you know? Um, but it's it's interesting to watch that evolution as well. That's why um, after we watched Pokorossa, I was wondering your thoughts about um, the evolution of that as well.
1: Yeah, which is weird because I think I didn't even look at it from that point of view because, again, like, I watched this and I was, I, I didn't even think in terms of the timeline where this was placed in in his um, in his works, uh-huh. thinking about Spirited Away and comparing it to this. Of course, you could you could definitely see the differences in, in terms of um, writing and all. But mm. I, I think I just, I don't know, I was just swept away. I didn't even want to think about anything else other than what was before me.
0: Yeah. But it's like, you know, even with like musical artists, you can tell what's the earlier work and you can tell what's the newer one. Not to say that one's better than the other. Yeah. I will never ever... Want to rank these films
1: <laughs>
0: and you, oh, actually, name your price. But I would say you can never pay me enough, but name your price, please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some um, very expensive dog mouths to feed. Mm. <laughs> I said mouths because I'm a bitch.
1: Yeah, I, I, you had, I didn't disagree with that. So,
0: are you working? Are you still working on your screenplay, Bitcher Rosser? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um we're a couple guys. If this is the first time you've ever listened to this episode, apparently we're a couple and apparently we're in an enthralling, whimsical adventure, just like a Miyazaki film. Mm. Right, OT?
1: Oh, for sure.
0: I think Miyazaki's working on Katie and OT.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but oh, what a film it is. I um pretty much with all of the Miyazaki films um Actually, I have qualms. Um, I'm not revealing my identity, but my cousin has all my Miyazaki DVDs Mm. and I will cut a bitch. (laughs) But anyway, um, because...
1: It's good that um, Apple TV now has um, Studio Ghibli movies um, you can purchase. For a while, we couldn't find any sort of movies from Studio Ghibli at all.
0: Why isn't it on Disney Plus though?
1: I don't know, but you can find them now. You can buy them actually. So it's, it's one of those times just... Get your shit right now,
0: yeah um, yeah, but anyway the the, the point um, that I was making is you watch what's available to you at the time, so I had watched porco Rosso a couple of times, but it was well over five years ago mm. um, that I watched it, and it was um, little Katie, not little Katie, um, young woman Katie struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, To make a living. And I watch Pokorosso off a laptop. I think if you listen to a lot of our podcast episodes, we talk about watching stuff on a laptop and then re-watching it again on a proper TV. Yeah. And it really transcends, or sometimes it magnifies the imperfections um, of what you're watching, but definitely magnifies the brilliance of Miyazaki. That's how it should be consumed. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I watched the English dub a couple of times five years ago, Mm. um, and we finally got to watch the Japanese sub Mm. um, version uh, just last night, and it was delightful.
1: And that it was.
0: I would um whenever we do decide to um revisit Pocker Rosso I do want to see if we can find the french
1: Yeah because I, I think that's what he prefers right
0: mm. yeah interesting um definitely very interesting but yeah those are our first impressions um of the film um I I cuz you said that you'd want to watch it multiple times in the in the next coming weeks I see Pocker Rosso as as I like to say in a lot of our podcast episodes, as like a vintage wine. Mm. Like it's an event. Mm. You know, um, we can't afford to, nor would I want to indulge in it regularly. It's Mm. something that you, it has so much richness and you'll just visit it every so often. Mm. Um, But you know, if you want to watch it again, I'm obviously down. I'll definitely watch it again with you. There's no dramas about that.
1: (laughs) I'll pin you down regardless.
0: Damn dog! <laughs> Listen to our Christmas episode, um, because Ot mentions that, at least for the first time on the podcast. <laughs> 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 um, but le- let's get into the film. Um, also, um, Porco Rosso is rated I think G or PG, but as you're listening, we are not family friendly. No, we're not. So, um, unlike Miyazaki, we only appeal to. The filthiest of people. <laughs> <laughs> a very small but very dedicated um, handful of listeners and we fucking love you guys. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the film. Obviously, let's spend some time focusing on Porco as a character. Ooh,
1: where do we start? So Porco is turning to uh, Marco as he used to be turns into a pig and I think the ambiguity into why this is I think is one of the most intriguing things about the movie as well Mm -hmm. Um, watching this I expected by the end of it they would have given us a reason and an answer a clear defined answer as to why he is a pig but we weren't given that and now it's up to us to try and analyze and reanalyze the movie and try and pick the bits that we think as to why this happened and
0: which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I, I
1: quite enjoyed it, and I think that the way it ended and the glimpses of what it showed and whether Pocoroso actually turned into um, uh, Marco at the end of it mm-hmm. was up in the air as well. So I thought, and whether
0: him and Gina got together, because um, is like that's not my. Well, I have, to I, have, tell. I have a
1: theory about that. Because oh, you've got
0: a theory. I've
1: got a theory.
0: Is it a conspiracy theory?
1: Not that far, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you no. Know, because that glimpse is in the last sh- shot um, of the movie. We have um, Gina, um, sorry Fiona, narrating right mm-hmm. um, that she's never seen Pocoroso again. Yep. There's a close-up shot of um, Pocoroso, but they don't show us his face,
0: uh-huh.
1: making it even more like, "Oh, did he change or did he not?" But when
0: when poker turned into Marco, he did become slimmer. And that Uh, was a stumpy-ass body. Well, the fact that it didn't show his face,
1: you don't know. Maybe it was a close-up shot, so you couldn't really tell the perspective of it.
0: Porco was thick. (laughs) T H I C C Q thick.
1: (laughs) Um, Stop
0: stop submitting my pictures to films.
1: When they were doing an overshot of, of Gina's garden, Gina wasn't there. So it's one of those things that I think. But
0: then she also says she visited Gina every summer, unless she doesn't. No, but she would recognize Marco.
1: Yeah, she would. Hmm. But the only time she visited Gina was at night when she was performing, and during the day Gina would wait for would wait for Poco Rosso in a, in her garden, um, and he never showed up to tell him that he yeah. to tell to like, tell him that he loved him. Mm-hmm. So I think Poco Rosso changed, remained a pig but they ended up with Gina.
0: Interesting. You're welcome. And you know what the great thing is about Miyazaki films is, you know, you can talk about different directors and what they pull on, but in regards to Miyazaki, I would say 90% of, of my experience is emotion. Mm. I can, like, we can sit here and discuss, not necessarily analyse, but I feel like a lot of what we're saying is our emotional resonance. Yeah. Because by God, there is a lot. Mm. Um, and that's exactly it. And that's a long way to say, friends and lovers, everything we say is valid. Because <laughs> it's fucking emotions. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think... or oh, I don't know. I, I want to believe that there is a world that exists where Gina and Porco are together. Um, A lot of the time when it comes to Miyazaki films and there are spells, like How's Moving Castle with Sophie as well, um, it is more about them, whether it is within their own volition or it's been forced upon them, um, the spell is more to do with qualms, some might say foundational qualms, mm. that they need to reconcile within themselves. Yeah. If Porco... Marco is at a point that he is ready to receive love, then I would believe that spell would be broken let 's talk about it let 's mm. talk about this spell in a bit more detail. So he was a fighter jet. is that the right term mm-hmm. He flew planes and he was in the war, whether that's a fighter jet or not, come and fight us um, but he was he was flying um, as a pilot in the war, so you know he had seen the atrocities of war mm. and he had Lost people. Let's theorize, conspirating or not, conspirated away.
1: <laughs> I saw that coming.
0: <laughs> I will get my fucking writer's credit. Oh,
1: dear Who, Lord.
0: Who's to say I'm not KT Miyazaki?
1: There's so much fucking obvious jokes, mate. You should run for SNL. Boom.
0: Better than Mad TV.
1: <laughs> okay, Tosh.0. Oh.
0: Wow, really? <laughs> okay, James Corden.
1: Now you're taking it too far.
0: You defiled this episode. <laughs> you really defiled this episode. We were building a beautiful tapestry. Mm. And you fucked it up.
1: All right, let's continue building on the tapestry. Ugh.
0: You're, worse, mm. than, you're <laughs> worse than the pirates. Oh, we need to talk about them, but we're not going to talk about them now. So let's talk about the spell. Um, let's theorize, conspirated away or rise, mm-hmm. um, how that spell came to be because i've got a theory and as kt miyazaki i feel like i'm spot on
1: all right so do you want me to go fast
0: of course it's always good to bring the wrong answers out first
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right um
0: actually let's let's digress for a second yeah in school Mm. when the teacher was asking someone let's say a mathematical equation yeah and they were asking someone to answer
1: yeah
0: would you be the kid putting your hand up
1: no, I'll be. They can tell you the other kids the answer.
0: Um, I say it a lot, friends and lovers. What's the number one rule? Self awareness is key. Yes. Yeah, that's why I said something
1: about it. Go out
0: and spank yourself in the hall because <laughs> I'm not doing it today.
1: Uh, but yeah. I I always never teach you spank. Why you? No. Hmm. Something about is screams naughty.
0: Well, between you and I, but that's not the school context.
1: So, here's my theory as to why he turned into a pig.
0: Oh, finally! Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, he says his friends, his three friends, die,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, and then he survives. He's disillusioned with the fascist government. Yep. He's disillusioned by the fact that he participated in that victory. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. and I think he doesn't look at himself in the best of light. Yep. And that's why he pulls away from society. Mm
0: -hmm. He
1: keeps everyone at arm's reach. I agree, yep. Um, The one person that loves him in Gina, he doesn't really want to express or to show or to say anything um, emotional towards her, Mm -hmm. and the fact that he only visits her when she's performing, says everything, because mm-hmm. he knows he doesn't want any sort of emotion, um, underlying emotion to kind of cloud his his guilt or underlying. Or he feels like he wants to to to, to punish himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his hatred for himself mm-hmm. and his guilt of himself turns him into a pig. So the way he views himself in inwards and his emotional um, state kind of just transpires and he becomes um a pig
0: damn dog i don't even need to be on this podcast like i agree with everything you said Mm. what i will um i guess unzip and flop on the table is another element of that spell do you think him being a pig had anything to do with him turning his back on the government? I guess it's a particular perspective, turning his back on the government um, and becoming a full-on bounty hunter. Do you think the spell had anything to do with that or it was more his inability to love, which equated from his lack of self-worth?
1: I think it was more geared towards... I think he turned into a pig before he became a bounty hunter. I think he turned into a pig immediately after the
0: war. Oh, so it's not a question of what, but when.
1: Yes. So I think once he turned into that and he felt the way he felt towards the government, there was no way he was ever going to either become a pirate because that's just, he's not that, he's not a bad person. Uh-huh. And the bounty, a bounty hunter was all he could be.
0: But to be fair, the pirates were so lovable in this film. Yeah, the pirates were like, lovable. Even more lovable than Jack Sparrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: It was they they were harmless. Like mm. that that wasn't the intention of this film. Mm. Um but that, that is very interesting. I also believe that the spell was very introspective. Mm. Um not to say that he's a witch and he put it on himself. Um, but I do feel like it is a lot about how he felt about himself. Yeah and just shutting himself off. So I definitely agree um, pretty much on all fronts in regards to that. Actually, that brings me to a scene in the film. I think it was right after his plane got damaged and then he went to go and source bullets. Mm. Um, And the kid that was selling him bullets was like, do you want these ones with spikes? Do you want these ones that do this, this? I'm not a bullet guy. So don't come for me, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but he was, he was naming all of the malicious things that the bullets can do. And Porco is like, mate, this isn't a war, <laughs> right? And the older shopkeeper, I think he referred to himself as a mole, he, he made a comment um, about the difference between a soldier at war and a bounty hunter. Mm. And the themes that they were talking about was quite interesting as well.
1: Yeah, they really were. Well. And I think tying the bullets into when he was actually inspecting all the bullets um, mm-hmm. when fear was sleeping, mm-hmm. I think just to make sure nothing was there too lethal and he got ex- actually what he wanted to get, mm-hmm. kind of showed his humanity and his self sort of worth in it in terms of how he is a good person intrinsically.
0: Um, I... I needed zero. I needed zero time to emotionally invest myself in Porco. Yeah. There were many examples to show his humanity because he was very gruff. You know, he was like, I'm, I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to have friends. He was very Clint Eastwood mm. about it. Um, but I saw, I saw through that and I saw the humanity in Porco quite early.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, interestingly, that's the point where Phil saw um, Porco Rosso's true form. Mm. In Marco, just on the for beach. a second
0: on the beach, which is based on a real beach um, in Croatia. Yeah. V. Yeah,
1: and it's just um,
0: actually let's talk about that. Why do you think um, the this the spell was lifted at that point? Because he was still polishing bullets. Like <laughs> it's it's not like he was like um, crocheting something. <laughs> I think
1: it was just more of a vulnerability in the moment. A moment where he saw that the future wasn't as bleak as he thought he was. A moment where he realised that Theo is the future. And if there's someone like Theo who is capable, loving, understanding and can, and clever, you know, it's not all going down in the drain.
0: Yeah, which I think is what Theo presented. I have another olive branch for mm. UOT. Um It is, I'm not going to say which Miyazaki films, but it is a very common sort of theme where people let their guard down and that's usually where the spell disenchants itself. Yeah. At least momentarily. Mm. So I think even though he was polishing bullets, it really was the time where he wasn't on. You Mm. know what I mean? Like he was on that secluded, deserted Island, Theo was sleeping. He was just within his own thoughts.
1: His guard was down, so yeah. to say. Mm. I'm,
0: I'm pretty sure I said that 30 seconds ago.
1: Not those words exactly, mate.
0: Wow, you really would have fit well in Porco Rosso.
1: Yeah, I'm piccolo, mate.
0: I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't see... I wouldn't even call it sexism. But I don't see... Um, Porco in particular. I don't see his attitude towards Theo um, as anything malicious.
1: No, it wasn't anything malicious. I think he he saw he saw himself in feel. When No, it, when but the,
0: he he would make comments. He would make comments about like he um I think when she was sketching all night mm. and he's like you should get some rest because if you're building this thing, I want you to be well rested mm. and you'll also look better. Like <laughs> I actually didn't see that as malicious at all. I think he was just from a different time. Um I don't know, because people get angry over everything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think that it hasn't aged well. I think it's fine. Sometimes you just have grumpy people from an older generation.
1: Yeah, the world wasn't all perfect and um PC, so...
0: Yeah, right? So it's not like he went to war so he can say whatever he says. But I don't think his comments towards Feo like, reflects how he feels about women overall. No. Because... But you know what I mean, OT, like there are wankers out there that will try and draw that.
1: I know, I know.
0: And just let Miyazaki draw, no one else should be drawing. (laughs) (laughs) Really, so let's go back to the spell. I I understand what you're saying, I think he might have turned into a pig right after that fiasco. Mm. There's a reference, Mm. probably not one I want to have, it's a fiasco. <laughs> there you go. If you if you can't connect the dots from there, then there's nothing else to say. Um but it was a very interesting sort of thing because when it came to seeing Marco, like in in the time of the narrative, not flashbacks, it was through fear. Mm. And he mentioned it, I think in that actual that in that same scene, um, earlier in the day, where he said, you know what, maybe the world isn't all bad. Mm. And he was saying that in reference to fear, yeah. right? She was like this cute little puppy dog that kept him going. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, his attitude towards the goodness of the world was framed within him meeting fear.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things that I think he needed at the time in his life.
0: But I think it's quite key that the... I'm pretty sure I counted two moments where his face was human it was when she was sleeping and it was also when she said bye to him Mm. so if we were to go off that both examples where we got to witness him being a human well in that last one we didn't but where he had a human face was when was influenced by Theo yeah um which which kind of interweaves into his relationship with Gina because you would think that, because you knew deep down that Porco loved Gina, yeah. right? So you would think that Gina would be the one to undo that spell. Mm. I have a theory; mm-hmm. it's all about theories. Um, What What do you think about the fact that the spell becomes disenchanted via Theo as opposed to Gina?
1: Because, in as much as he loves Gina, Theo kind of lifts the lead off his disillusionment with the world. Um, And I think that's more why he's even a pig in the first place.
0: No, but what I'm saying is anyone could have lifted the lid. Not But it anyone. seemed like Theo was the one to do it.
1: No, because Theo is different. Theo is is as ambitious as he was. He's, she's intelligent. She's, she's got
0: gumption. Hmm.
1: So it wouldn't be just anyone compared to the fact that the people we met and saw that uh, Pokoros interacted with. No one near Theo.
0: But I feel like Gina could have she definitely could have but i think this is a great sort of case study in regards to hello um i think this is a great case study in regards to human nature Mm. because gina definitely could have been the one to lift the lid but we as humans sometimes it's who we let in And I think there was too much history. I think there was too much pain between Porco and also Gina because her latest husband was his best friend, Mm. right? So I feel like there was too much history there. There was too much pain there for her to be the one to lift the lid. Yeah, for sure. But if Porco let her in, she could have done it, definitely.
1: I don't think she could have done it. Just barely sold on the fact that you've just said right now, too much history. There's no way that goes. Well, there's history and there's
0: her as a person, but her as a person definitely could have lifted the lid.
1: Mm, Not because because the history is still there. With disillusionment, the person that you already know is rarely the person that is able to get you out of that state. Mm -hmm. Because let me just take this into a more realistic kind of view. Okay. With politicians, you'll be disillusioned with them all.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And... Regardless of what they say you just know they're lying because of their history uh-huh. so nothing they say will lift you off the funk okay unless someone new comes someone fresh someone with new ideas saying, someone no, but that even can, if they're
0: saying the same thing sometimes you just need you someone just else. need
1: someone new to get you off that funk and I think this is the same thing that happens with Poco there's just too much history with Jaina and and to be able to do that even if even if love you'd think cures all well, it doesn't Mm -hmm. um especially when it comes to the guilt that he feels and the fact that gina was with i think pretty much the three of the friends before
0: (laughs) and they all died come on
1: i just don't think it really ever was like the fact that she could do it even if the love was there poco needed fresh a fresh face a fresh eyes to believe that the world isn't going to shit to believe that the fascism someone
0: that wasn't jaded by the world exactly Um, someone who
1: still had hopes of a better future hopes of making something better of themselves
0: and we we talk about frame of reference a lot in our podcast because again if you think you can watch something and your nature nurture experiences don't influence that then again there are some qualms you need to reconcile within yourself but I think it's interesting that the device um that you use to you know explain Gina and Porco and also Theo was politicians (laughs) (laughs) I think I think that says a lot about OT but it's interesting it's interesting that um that was a way that you and i get it like i understand exactly and you definitely got your point across but i just thought it was interesting that you went to politics um to further exemplify the point
1: <laughs> because part of the time is what was happening in the world in this because we you said at the start of this this is one of the miyazaki movies where it actually has like a timeline in real life that it happened mm-hmm. and that's right after the First world war so in that, a lot of politics was being played at that time. So it's oh, not yes. a completely left field or me trying to conjure an example out of something that is completely unrelatable with the film. Because the policies of the time didn't really affected Pocoroso after the fact. So we can probably tie the two in together as well.
0: So there you have it, friends and lovers. Um, my default is sexual shit, and Ot's default is corrupt politicians.
1: <laughs> um, Nothing better.
0: Choose the flavouring of reference you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, even now, it's generating such a discussion, and it is just as tantalising as watching the film. Yeah, and like you said, there wasn't a complete resolve. Um, to what we have. But what it leads into is continual discussion in regards to the themes that are explored and in some cases aren't explored mm-hmm. as well. And while you were talking, I would call back to earlier in the episode where you talked about whether Gina and Porco ended up together. Mm-hmm. The romanticism in us would say, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Mm. However, based on what you were just saying right now, I don't think that they did get together. Why let, is that? Let, let's, let's explore this because what you were saying was you can have the same person, you know, in your example, same politician telling you something, but because you're so disillusioned, you can't accept that, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that was with Gina as well. Maybe he didn't open himself up to love in that aspect. It would be nice to think that they're together and they're happy and they're in love. But again, I I take you back to the point of Theo saying that she sees Gina all the time.
1: Mm. Oh,
0: maybe they didn't. Fuck, man. This is this is this is bloody grim.
1: Okay, okay. Here here here's a nugget for you then. During the movie, mm. and when um Poco was fighting with Curtis, Yep we come to see that Boko really didn't think that Gina would ever see him romantically. Oh, yes. And when Curtis said that Gina actually loves you, he was like, he'd seen a
0: ghost. It was out of... Well, Curtis said it out of frustration. And this just shows I'm a vengeful motherfucker because if someone told me that they love someone else, I would not tell that someone else.
1: I would. But yeah, like after they'd already finished their mission and whatever... I I really do think that he flew away somewhere and Gina did track him down. And maybe just Gina didn't tell... um, But that's
0: more what you want to feel. I don't think that's what actually happened. I don't think that Porco has shut himself off completely. I think he... I think that he is okay with expressing love, but he's not okay with receiving love. Because if you saw... Um, in that scene with Curtis and also Gina when they're in her garden, mm. um, he came by in his plane and he did his loop-de-loops for her and then fear was like, what are you doing? I hit my head when we were going through the spins and Polko's like, I was just saying hello, right? So I think he knows what it's like to give love, whether he sees that as important, I think he does. Mm. But I don't think he's, at least at this point, I don't think he's ready to receive love. And that's what Jaina was offering.
1: Yeah, I think by the end of it, holy. he was ready to receive love, holy. truly. Just because.
0: Then why wasn't why wasn't Jaina the one lifting the spell? This is very interesting.
1: Because it comes down to him being disillusioned as the co- main cause, and the guilt being the main reason why he's a pig anyway and it has nothing to do with love that's
0: what i'm saying one of his best friends and miyazaki named a lot of the pilots after famous italian pilots um but that's what i'm saying that was his best friend's widower or widow widower is a man right um widow Mm. so obviously it's not easy to accept that love so it's like you're conflicted as well because you said that he couldn't receive that message and we didn't see the spell disenchanted with Gina, but then somehow miraculously they ended up happy in love. Because I think it's
1: not as black and white as you want to paint it out as.
0: No, but how does it? Is do they just go behind a magic screen and it's all fixed?
1: Not I, that it's all fixed. Of course, Poco will always have this guilt and whatever. It's just down to him never realising that Gina actually had feelings for him and him realising all along because... When he was doing the loop-de-loops in the air and Gina was standing in the garden, it wasn't just a random loop-de-loop because it's what exactly he was doing with um, when he was Marco and Gina when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And that sparked a, a, a memory in Gina when, you know, to throw us back to when he was doing that. Yeah. Um. So, of course, there are feelings there from both sides.
0: And the club was named after the plane.
1: Yeah. So you could see there's small nuggets that to tell us that these two really do love each other. And at the end of it, him realizing that there's actual love from Gina's side, I really do think they ended up together. Okay. Because they showed an overshot of Gina's garden and Gina wasn't there. Come on, give a guy some hope.
0: Um, Curtis said something to the effect of, oh, a lonely rose growing in the garden. <laughs> what a fucking creep, man. Yeah. They didn't really specify whether Theo was of age because lots of men were hitting on her. Um, Curtis in particular. Fucking creep.
1: No, she wasn't of age. She was 17. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. That speaks more to it, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but that's what I'm saying because it's like we're talking about, you know, what the situation is, but you're like, yeah, they end up together and that's okay.
1: I said romantic in me.
0: It is, and but that's ex- but that's fine. That's okay because again, this is more feeling as opposed to analyzing,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: But what a film!
1: What let's, a film indeed.
0: Let's let's finish off with some characters that we didn't get to touch upon. Mm. Grandpa Piccolo.
1: Mm-hmm. He's fun.
0: But I liked him. I think he was fun. I think he's a. Uh, Um, if we're talking about a trophy case of friends, Mm. I think he's a nice friend to have, but he's definitely a friend you need to watch your wallet around. (laughs) Um, Because you see him sitting there with all of these stacks of money um, and he was like, oh, this isn't worth the paper it's printed on while he's sitting with this mountain of money. (laughs) Of course you would say that.
1: And then he's like, oh, you're a bit short on the money, but don't worry, I'll loan you as a friend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And exactly that at least he reveals to you the sort of friend mm. um that he is. And I th- I thought it was quite fun where he's like, Don't touch my granddaughter. Oh. <laughs> um, as well. But, you know, he really let Fio fly. Mm. Um, he did uh Grandpa Piccolo did make a comment about um how Fio has something that her sons don't have. But then he didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe he doesn't have brains either. I'm assuming that's that was the missing um, element. <laughs> yeah. It was nice. It was nice to see um, the factory of women making all of the planes and then mm. scoping out um, all of the spies Yeah, as well. That was a nice moment. Um, let's talk about the pirates.
1: Oh, the pirates. Um, and he's, here's the thing. Because we went back to, when we finished the movie, we went back and played the pirate scene where, they were in um, Croatia at the beach.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And Fio um, was trying to talk to the pirates to let them off um, yep. to make the bet. Let them off, the not fun. get
0: them off, yes.
1: yeah, And that conversation <laughs> was quite fun. Yeah, And it was all happy and groovy. And you could tell the expressionism. And that's why I love the Japanese language so much. Mm-hmm. The emotions just flow. It's all fun when it's fun. And then when you played it with um in the english version it just sounded so fucking lame i don't know maybe it's some biases (laughs) in me that the japanese version just sounded way better and more fun i made the pirates more likable in my
0: opinion yeah right yeah and i think this is the best way i can describe Japanese subs as opposed to English subs, And you're not wrong either because this isn't even set in Japan. But like you said, there is a richness. And the best sort of imagery that I can compare it to is just talking normally is an English dub. Mm. Walking into a cave and hearing the voice vibrate into different sections of that cave is Japanese voice acting. Mm. You hear so much Dynamic marking! (laughs) That's a Naruto reference. Uh. Um, Tweet us the character if you know. Um, But you know what I mean? Like there's so much depth and um, we talk about subs versus dubs a lot. And we we do make jokes about shunning um, dubs. But, you know, it's to get people into exploring things that they would never do before
1: yeah and it's it's one of the major problems with the film industry at the moment because they're trying to redo a lot of um subtitled or like international films that are not in english natively into some english versions and i think we're watching the golden globes and um the director for yeah he said once you overcome the one one inch inch tall barrier of subtitles you'll come to experience so much more and it's just true. Yeah. It's just true.
0: But like, why can't you enjoy something if it's completely foreign, <laughs> if you'll pardon the word, um, to your own frame of reference? Mm. I think it's different for me because, again, we do talk about frame of reference a lot. I am a Polynesian woman in Australia. Mm. So 99.9% of the shit that I watch doesn't have my face represented there. Yeah, So I think... Maybe it makes it easier for me to by default not expect characters that I automatically by default resonate with because they are me. Mm. Um, It's interesting. It's interesting. And I guess maybe one of these days it can be like a Patreon open kimono Mm. if you're nasty um, where we can explore that. But it, it definitely is it. Like I don't care if my face isn't in something. Uh What I look for, what I gravitate to, what I spend my emotional investment on is characters that have depth. Mm. Characters that have, it doesn't even need to be universal themes, but characters that have a good standing of who they are and where they fit in the world that they exist in. Yeah. And Porco is a perfect example of that. Mm. Because he was a great guy. Like you said, even when he was fighting with Curtis, um, you know, even the crowd was like, why isn't, like, is his gun jammed? Why isn't he shooting at him? Because mm. it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Even one of the pirates was like, forget about sportsmanship and just shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, going back to the pirates, um, when they had between Curtis and Porco in the final scenes where they were going to, um, you know, race together, mm. someone in the crowd got angry at the pirate um, and was like, enough of the speeches. We came here for a dog fight. So then they started shooting at the audience. <laughs> and it's like, well, there's your fucking dog fight there. Yeah. You dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one way to handle hecklers. Mm. Right, um, we talked a bit about Curtis. Is there anything else you want to say about him?
1: No, no. I, I'm glad that he ended up as a as a Hollywood superstar.
0: Right. He he's definitely <laughs> the type.
1: He is the type, <laughs> and of course he had skills. Like he was a really good um uh, pilot, and Poco admitted it as much in the first scene. Oh yes, He saw him fly. Yeah.
0: Oh yes. Um, another character that we didn't really get to that I just want to spend a bit of time talking about was Ferden. Mm. The friend.
1: Mm. Uh yeah, he's he was really good. Um, for Poco, even though he wanted Poco back into the military, mm-hmm. he still understood and respected his um decision not to.
0: But he helped him a lot.
1: Yeah, and he helped him a lot. He did really did, and it's just I think all of us aspire to have uh, friends like that.
0: Yeah, whether it's Fereren in Rosso or it's Reginald in Archer.
1: Oh, it's Kuriren in Dragon Ball.
0: Kuriren. <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought you'd go with that. Nah, man. <laughs>
0: I don't need a Kuriren. I've got O.T. Kuriren in my uh, life. Those, how,
1: uh, the English um, version called him what? Kremlin?
0: Krillin. Krillin. Oh, fuck off. Kremlin. <laughs> that, was, that was a nice old man, Logan. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> oh, but what a film. Mm. Thank you for um, continuing along with this episode of us, um, friends and lovers. Mm. Um, also, please let us know if you came across Porco Rosso before all of the other films. Or even if you chose to listen to this episode before all of the other ones. Yeah. Again, I never ever want to rank Miyazaki films. I think they are all great. Um Oh, but this is – I'm glad we covered this because – and it deserves all of the hype, mm. um, you know, Spirited Away and also Howl's Moving Castle and even Princess Mononoke as well. But I'm glad we got to cover this film.
1: Yeah. Me too.
0: And if if by in some way we introduced Porco Rosso, not introduced, but we encourage you guys to watch the film and you enjoyed it, Please let us know. We would love to continue the discussion with you guys after as well. For sure. Um. So usually, Ot, mm-hmm. this is where we would, um, you know, employ you guys um, for some further watching in the segment we call for your reference. Mm. However, um, this is a tantalizing holiday special. Um, so every film that we're covering is a Miyazaki film. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all kind of a box set reference special. Yeah. Watch a
1: Miyazaki movie as your reference.
0: And try try ones you haven't tried before.
1: Yeah. Expand your your your, your world. Delve into the world of Studio Ghibli, even if it's not a Miyazaki movie. And you will fall in love.
0: Yeah, especially Ponyo, because Tina Fey is in the English dub.
1: Skip the dub, skip the dub.
0: I'll dub you in a second. Good. Okay, well, we are all agree. <laughs> <laughs> the court is adjourned your honor on twitter and instagram we are for your effort
1: you can write us an email at hello fyrpodcast.com
0: we're also on patreon guys we need mm-hmm. to pay for these my ties oh for sure and we'll see you guys next week see ya bye